From Relay FM, this is The Pen Addict, episode 341. Today's show is brought to you by FreshBooks, ExpressVPN, and RxBar. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad Dowdy. Hello, Mike Hurley. How are you today? I'm very well, my friend. How are you? Good. I'm very good. I've been very busy, oh. as you can tell by the show, the show notes. Yes, there's a lot of stuff going on today. <laughs> yeah, so I... Uh, I took the route of talking about all the things I'm working on the on the blog, which for the beginning of the year, it's kind of like a, a fresh fresh start on the blog. So I'm always ready to try new things. So we're going to talk about that a bunch. But I have a couple of new products I wanted to run by you that we've actually kind of... One we've definitely talked about and one we should talk about. So the first one is finally I have the Jetstream xsr 600 refill in hand and this is the large capacity parker jotter style refill right you remember us talking about this and how i was lusting over this mm-hmm. yeah so finally here uh, J- they announced it in japan what it had to be last summer if not before that it's been a while since they announced it it's been a while since it's been out in japan i know a bunch of panatic listeners and readers ordered it from japan and they all raved about it and finally jet pens got them in stock so i of course ordered them up immediately first thing i noticed mike they are very expensive at seven dollars and 25 cents each per refill Whoa. that is a lot why do you that think is they're a- that level uh, because they're only available in Japan. There's import right. stuff. Okay. I my guess. So I'm trying to when I look at the realm of refill pricing, like you can get the Schmidt similar size refills. They're in that three to four dollar range, I think. Mm-hmm. The Fisher Space Pen refills, which I buy a lot of, are like five to five fifty. Then you jump all the way to the Krondash um, Goliath. I think that's the name of their refill. It's like a $9 refill. So this is definitely on the high end. Like normally for like a really nice, anything you want refill, $5 is at the very expensive end. So $7.25 is practically crazy talk (laughs) for a pen refill, seeing that you could just buy a Jetstream with the standard refill for like $2.50 or whatever. And then buy refills for probably $2. But this is the larger capacity Parker style. Um, I imagine, you know, we're paying import markup. I'd have to look at the Japanese price for these to get a better picture. And I did not do that because that's not the price I paid. I paid $7.25. But I'm in love with it, Mike. If you're a Jetstream fan, this is better than all of the other Jetstreams. You know, that's probably newness talking to me. But this is the richest black ballpoint style ink I've ever used. It's really smooth. It's really dark. There's no skipping. It's like writing with a gel pen that dries instantly almost. I love it. It's really, really smooth and dark. I I'm, I mean, I've been waiting for this for a while just to try it out. So I, I started the... Um, I bought two. You can get it in 0.5 millimeter and 0.7 millimeter, and they only come in black right now. So I inked up the, I opened up the 0.7 millimeter to test first because that's the tip size of Jetstream that I always recommend. I always say buy the 0.7 millimeter, 
not the 1.0 millimeter because I tend to find that a little messy. And then 0.5 millimeters generally too fine for most people. But 0.7 is the sweet spot for the jet stream. And I don't know. It's fantastic. I, I really, really like the refill. You know, I don't know that everyone's going to want to pay that price. If you're a jet stream fanatic and have a Parker style refill pin barrel that you want to put this in because right now there's no i think in japan there's a pin that you can put this in but like jet pins didn't have a pin for this um so i had to find something that would fit the parker which isn't too hard you know to find all the kickstarter pins i've bought i just recently brought bought a pin by james brand called the benton it's their first uh pin you're familiar with the james brand right yes only because yeah, I, I don't really know much about them, but I've been seeing them around recently. They're up your hipster alley for sure. But I mean, they started with knives, which, you know, you're not really going to get in the UK. So, but um, they they are, are branching out in their hipster way. So they made a pin recently, um, which we'll, we'll talk about that later in the show when I talk about something else I'm doing. Um, we'll, we'll dig into the pin a little bit. But I didn't, I, it took me actually a minute to figure out which g2 barrel i wanted to use uh sorry international g2 that's a confusing term but parker jotter refill barrel and that's the one i went with and it's it's great so now i'm just waiting on more colors you know give me blue you know at a at a minimum i need blue in this because ballpoint inks i use blue gel inks and rollerball inks i use black ballpoint i prefer blue so give me that and then let's see what other colors they do, if they do. You know, they already make blue, black, and they already make different colors in the regular Jetstream ink. So we'll see if there's anything that's going to stop them from expanding this lineup. I hope not. But uh, yeah, I got to say, I'm a fan. It's expensive, but I like it. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to have a stock pile of these, right? I'm going to have this 1.7 and 1.5, and that's pretty much it until they'll last me forever. And then if they do new colors, I'll uh, I'll pick up one of those. But I dig it. Approved. Stamp of approval. I'll, I'll review them eventually, but uh, right now, stamp of repro- approval. Uh, and I guess, you know, in case anybody's not following, like, the reason that this is good is because it allows you to use a refill that you enjoy and different more varied pens because there like there are a lot of pens that are made like kickstarter pens as well to fit the parker style refill right so now you can put the jet stream in there without needing any adapters or whatever yeah so two things one it's probably the, the most common worldwide refill and number two the jet stream barrels are not the best so it kind of solves both of those yeah they're those kind problems. of like not good tactical look right how i think of them (laughs) right and my like my favorite jet stream barrel is like one of the cheapest retractable plastic ones not even the nice ones and because just generally they're not great barrels so i'll use the refills and other things so this uh solves all kinds of problems um you know first world pen problems right yep isn't that what this show is all about though in general (laughs) speaking of which mike have you checked out this next link do you need uh mackie e Twisby Eco? I know you do. No. I saw this <laughs> link and, and I think they look very nice. That's another mm. Bong Box thing. I don't... Th- mm, this one maybe isn't a collaboration. I don't know. Maybe maybe Twisby has said yes. I, I, I don't really... No, no. I think it's outside artists, 
right? right? So basically, we'll put the link in the show notes, but I've tweeted this out for like a couple of weeks now when they started tweeting it out. And I was like, fine, they keep tweeting it out. I'm going to put it in the show notes. We're going to talk about this because it's essentially a base model eco, Twisby eco, either clear or black cap. And they've had uh, Maki E artists. Um, I think one or I can tell if it's one or two different artists doing artwork on the barrels. Some of it's just the pin caps and some of it's on the barrels. I mean, and it's beautiful, but the question is that I have. So like the price range, there's three models available. The price ranges approximately $130 US for the low end one. You know, it's a less amount of artwork to $170. The cheaper ones is just the cap. Just and the cap. The most expensive one also includes some uh, Mackie on the uh, on the on the barrel itself with the pen. Yep, yep. They're super cool. They're I mean, beautiful. they're super cool. I just don't know that the Eco is the platform for the beautifulness of this artwork, right? So I have an aftermarket uh, Mackie artwork on one of my pens that I paid. You know, I bought the pen. It was a Pilot Custom Heritage Nine Twelve that I've had forever, and then had the opportunity. I think I paid 125 or $150 to get this really stunning artwork all over my pen. I've got an old Instagram pic. I didn't, I can find that for you for the show notes. It's stunning. I'm super happy. That was money well spent because it's on what I feel a more, um, I don't know, usable, correct pen for that type of extra expenditure, right? It's a big pen. It's a big gold nib pen. It's a pen I use a lot. I feel like the $25, $30 Eco getting the you know, $100, $125 Mackie treatment is a little bit weird to me, but you know, I, that's never stopped me in the past. It's like, I wouldn't say no to it, but I'm not like hunting them down. I think they're beautiful. I love the artwork, but I would want it on, you know, a as much as I love the Eco, I want it on a more special pen. And that's not a knock on the Eco. It's just kind of what it, what it is. I don't completely agree. Mm-hmm. Because my kind of thinking is, right, that, like, the value of the pen is dictated by the value of which it is sold, uh, provided mm-hmm. there is market demand, Right. Yes. So the actual materials that are going in to the production are not the expensive part anyway. The expensive mm-hmm. part is the art. And mm-hmm. so to me, I can accept and appreciate the value being set where it is because mm-hmm. like the Custom Heritage 912 is still an acrylic pen, right? Right, so like the you know some of the key materials are the same. I mean, and of course you can argue over which has the better nib for you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think everyone is in agreement that the Eco is a great pen. So sure. you know, is the Eco worth twenty five or thirty dollars? Sure, it is. Yeah. How much is the art worth to you? And if that is a hundred and you are happy with that, I think it's fine, and I think the value to me rings true. I I can mm-hmm. I can get behind it. I mean, I think that's I, that's totally fair. I think I'm thinking of it as I would rather pay four hundred dollars for a Sailor Pro Gear 
with Maki artwork right. than one hundred and seventy dollars for Twizzlers. For sure, Eco for sure. But it might be a case of we want to sell a pen for one hundred and forty dollars with Maki right. on it. Where do right. where do we start? You know, but right. at the same time, I think the Eco is a great looking pen, and all of the flat edges, I'm sure, really lend itself to taking that Maki really nicely. <laughs> Right, like I'd yeah. imagine, it's a relatively comfortable environment to do that kind of work on on a pen. Right, right. I think it came out great. The price, the price is good. Like I'm just not interested in that. It setup. is. A, I love the art. It's like though. a head scratcher, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But uh, you make a good point about the price point. You know, that's this is how much you're going to pay for custom ish maki artwork. So to get it at that price point, um, like that's, you know, give that exposure. I think that's a good thing. So, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. But you're, um, I found your Instagram post of your yeah. uh, Mackie and that's incredible. Yeah. I just so like, that pen. yeah. So after the artist did that batch, he immediately raised the price to like 225 <laughs> It was like the, what we paid for it was insanely cheap for the, the outcome of that. And we'll have that link in the show notes for you to check out. But uh, I still, it's still one of my personal favorite pens I own. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Should we take a break? Let's do it. All right. Today's I got a lot episode... to talk about. Oh, you sure do. I better give you a minute to collect your mm-hmm. thoughts before we jump mm-hmm. into this. All right, so today's episode is brought to you in part by our friends over at RX Bar. RX Bars are whole food protein bars with simple, real ingredients. They believe in being totally transparent, which is why all of their core ingredients are listed right on the front of the packet. So if you you may have seen these in a grocery store, um, you know they they say like. Uh, dates and and no BS and you know like chocolate and like they say it on the front like right on the very front it's like a really cool design. Um, RX bars ingredients are real ingredients that you're going to recognize. They have egg whites for protein, dates to bind, nuts for texture, and other delicious ingredients like unsweetened chocolate, real fruit, real spices like sea salt or cinnamon as well. Whether you like sweet or savory chocolate or fruit, there is an RX bar flavor for you. They come in 14 different varieties like peanut butter, mint chocolate, apple cinnamon, chocolate hazelnut, mango pineapple, coconut chocolate. They have so many, you will definitely find an RX bar flavor that I think would satisfy your sweet tooth and your savory tooth too, if that's such a thing. RX bars are gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free with no bad stuff. There's no artificial colors, no artificial flavors or preservatives or fillers. They're fantastic for breakfast on the go, snack at the office to get you through your uh, afternoon slump. There's a thing in the UK, Brad, called Elevenses, which Mm. is like the snack right between between breakfast and lunch uh, okay can, that's a new one yeah 11s is you can chuck them into your bag when you're traveling you know so you've got a snack for the plane maybe for after a workout before a workout no matter what it is there's an rx there is a use for rx bars they, they're so simple and small to keep around and you've got a bunch of different varieties as well uh, brad i know that you have rx bars what do you think of them so we are a protein slash snack bar slash granola bar family you know it's me my wife my two kids we're always running around we're always needing something snack quick on the go rx bars have become part of our life now Mm -hmm. they are always in the pantry for something quick on the go what surprised me the most mike is if you said hey we're going to these bars will have a sweet element to it but it's not going to be sugar per se it's going to be dates from the binding of the uh 
of the bar and the and the manufacturer of it. I'm like, really, I'm not much of a date person, you know, dates the fruit. Um, but my goodness, if they don't pull it off wonderfully, they're mm-hmm. fantastic. I've heard that more than once. It's like, wow, the the sweet they're sweetened by dates essentially. You know, sometimes there's you know chocolate chip or peanut butter and things like that and um, different nuts and things like that. But it's really really good. So uh, they're they're part of the uh, Dowdy household pantry right now, and uh, big fan of the RX bars here. You can try them out for yourself right now and get 25% off your first order of the Best Seller Variety Pack. Just go to rxbar.com slash penaddict and use the promo code penaddict to check out. That is rxbar.com slash penaddict, promo code penaddict for 25% off your first order of the Best Seller Variety Pack. This offer is only available in the US and for a limited time, so act fast. Our thanks to RxBar for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, before we talk and dig into my year of experimentation, we need to have a little bit of conversation around this 11sies thing. All right. So is this time? It's time-based, right? What if you have a 3 o'clock snack? Is that 3sies? Well, no, I don't think it has a name. Or do you have your 11sies at 3? I don't know. It's it's purely like something that you eat in between breakfast and, and lunch. So it's specifically that snack time frame. Yeah. Is the be- between breakfast and lunch because I usually don't have a between breakfast and lunch snack, but I'll have a between lunch and dinner snack. So we don't have fivesies in there or anything like that. Not that I've ever come across. So that's just tea time, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. So yeah, that was that was a new one to me. So I'm gonna start. Uh, I'm gonna start working working on that around the house. I don't see know if, if I, I necessarily recommend adding more small meals into your day, but like, <laughs> you've got well, no, one I'm of just... them already. You just go for no. it. Now I'm just going to tell them I'm going to test out 11Zs today and see how it goes. Okay. <laughs> I love you, Mike. There's a bar. There's actually a chocolate bar called 11Zs as well to, to lead into that. I, yeah, that makes sense. I'd be all about that. So 11Zs is not going to be an experiment that I write about, but I am starting to write about all these experiments I'm undertaking so far this year. We talked about that last week, Mike, just on you know what we're you know, what kind of plans we have for this year. We don't necessarily do, you know, resolutions, things like that. I have some follow-up on 11s. Okay, real-time follow-up. Let's go. Today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a term in the United States during the first decades of the 19th century, but it consisted of drinking whiskey. Uh, I'm, I'm about this now. So, All right, keep going. But it also says it is common for school children to have a short snack break in the morning before lunch. Of whiskey? It doesn't state. Those, <laughs> those, those two sentences, one leads into the other one. I don't know. It so you doesn't said, really did, state. Did you say 19th century or 1900s? 19th century. So pretty old. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So this is, all right. 11Zs is whiskey hour. Got it. Yeah. I like well, it. Like, I actually think the correct pronunciation is 11Zs. Um, mm. And, I'm, and I, I think 11Zs is the bar, like the chocolate bar. Um, gotcha. But there you go. All right. I love it. I love it. All right. So I want to know, Mike, one of the first things I've written about this year is the mechanical pencil lead graphite testing that I'm going to be undertaking, you know, in Mm -hmm. the next several months, trying to figure out what's a good lead for me and what's, you know, kind of a good lead I can recommend. Because I get asked this question all the time because I love mechanical pencils. You love mechanical pencils. But, Mike, right now, I know you're a big 
Rotring fan. You have your Rotring 600. That's a pretty mm-hmm. common, you commonly used item. What lead do you have in it right now? Uh, I don't think you're asking me the size. I don't remember the size. Mm-hmm. But basically, the lead I have is whatever the lead that came with it because <laughs> I had no, you know, I had no, ma- I still don't really have much of a conception of the fact that there were different leads. Mm hmm. Right. But there's actually a lot. And I even wrote in the notes because I say the same thing. I have, I'm a huge mechanical pencil fan. I don't have like a go to lead when I get a new mechanical pencil and I'm going to put my favorite lead in it. I have whatever it came with. Right. I put in the show doc says I'm just going to make a lead and market it as and we're going to call it whatever it came with, because I think that's what everyone uses in their mechanical pencil until they're forced to try something else. Right. You know, you get a pencil. It comes with lead. You're going to use whatever it came with until you run out of it. And then you'll move on and start asking me, hey, what lead? I love this pencil. What lead should I put in? And I don't have an answer for that right now. So I have 25 packs of lead. And let me go ahead and let me go ahead and say this right now. I'm calling it lead because that's just the common term. We know it's graphite. It's easier to say lead. It's just com- kind of commonplace, even though it's not technically accurate. So lead and graphite are interchangeable, and I use them just on a on a whim, and that's just kind of what I roll with. So I have 25 <laughs> packs, Mike. I ordered a bunch from Jet Pens. My friends at Pentel sent me a bunch of additional packs. And, you know, it's already more lead than I'll ever use in a lifetime, right? Some of these packs have like 40 sticks in them. Some of them have 12. There's a huge range. But being the pencil person that I am, the wooden pencil person that I am, I was always a mechanical pencil person growing up. But what I found in wooden case pencils is, hey, there's a huge range of graphite cores out there. Let me find the ones that work best for me. So I'm going down that same path here. It's going to take some time, and I'm not going to do them like I did. The first review this Monday was for the Pilot Neox 2H. So 2H is a hard grade lead. It's not something that you would find in whatever it came with lead. Um, Whatever it came with lead is usually like HB. Um, Just your standard mid-grade, a little bit soft, a little bit dark, and just normal 2h is firmer and lighter that's what i like in my wooden pencils so i wanted to try out a 2h in a mechanical pencil and i really really liked it i enjoy it it did feel a little bit weird and this is what i'm trying to figure out from all of these specialized leads is that they try to get an ultra smooth firm feel when you're writing with them and when you have a 2h lead and it's extra smooth it feels kind of plasticky right you already have a hard lead and now you have no texture you know how Mm. sometimes you know with your whatever it came with lead you can feel sometimes the little bit of a feedback you know when you write a little bit of little bit of crystal crystallization or a little bit of scratchiness and it's nice right that's the purpose of a pencil you kind of enjoy that there's a point where it gets i think that's what people dislike about like um apple pencil stuff right that Mm -hmm. it's too smooth it's just this smooth line there's no texture um Mm-hmm. So yeah, I th- I think I I totally understand that. Yeah. So 
like 2H is probably never a lead grade I'm ever going to recommend to anybody unless it's there's some kind of special case. But I'm trying to test all these out and set a baseline so I can decide what's different between all these, what is, you know, the best feeling, what's, you know, the diff- what are the differences, what are the pros and cons. So in the future, as I go through all of these I have on my desk right now, and even more, I may order when recommendations come in, which they already are, um, you know, just trying to get a big comparison chart of all these, get an idea of what's doing well. And, you know, for most people, you know, eventually have it on the top five list of things I feel very confident, confident in recommending. So I've started on the next one. And I've just, I picked a more standard lead this time. I've got the Rotring Tiki High Polymer HB 0.5 millimeter. It's highly likely, eh, maybe not, that I was going to say this is the whatever it came with lead, but the high polymer leads are the ones that are stronger and smoother, right? And so far, this lead is super boring. Like, it's hard to put words on something <laughs> as minute as a mechanical pencil lead, but I do want to be able to say something about it. Like, what is interesting about the 2H? Well, I found it to be dark enough for its hardness. You know, usually when you go down the H side of the scale, the the lead gets lighter and lighter and lighter, and it's hard to read. Well, I felt the 2H was pretty pretty good to read. You know, it came out dark enough. This Rotring Tiki lead, there's just kind of nothing to it. Like, it's soft-ish. It's dark-ish. It's expensive-ish. It's just kind of boring. So, when I do, like this one, I may take a group of five HB LEDs and compare them all together. So, I'm still kind of working through what I want to do with this, but this is going to be just kind of a learning experience. I'm going to write it as I go and figure these things out. The other thing with pins, it's easy to test 10 pins at once, right? Because you just have the pins there, you uncap them and you go to town. Well, I don't know that I have 10.5 millimeter mechanical pencils that I need to mark and tag with what's lead, what lead is loaded into them, you know, and keep track of all that stuff. So it's a little bit harder to batch review these leads but i'm going to try to do maybe two or three at a time because even with the 25 packs i have on my desk i'm not going to spend 25 weeks worth of reviews doing that so i'll start batching together as i get through and figure out more of what i want and maybe i'll even skip things that are super boring like this rotring tiki um because it may not be worth spending the words on as i test more out so that's just my idea that i've gotten underway and it's not the only idea that I'm playing around with this year. Do you want me to keep going? Or do you have more on, on pencil talk? I don't. This is something that I do struggle with. The, because I just don't really know if I am in tune enough to fully grasp the differences between these. And maybe I just haven't tried enough. Um, mm-hmm. But like... I honestly don't know I've ever noticed a difference between anything that I've used. But maybe that just right. means that I've been within a very typical range. Right, right. And see, mechanical pencils, 
were some of my start into stationery when I was a kid, right? Because that was sure. some of me too. the finest the finest writing you could get. Like for me, it was all about writing small when I was a kid. Well, you know, what writes smaller than a 0.5 mechanical pencil that's easy, easily available? I mean, so there were certainly no pens, you know, 30 years ago that were available to me that could write that fine. So I've always used mechanical pencils, but I've never explored what actually goes in them. And is there something better? Like I go through all these pens and, you know, I can test them all. I can, you know, demonstrably say and display that this one is better than this one. And here's why. So I get a lot of questions about, well, what pencil led do you use? You use mechanical pencils all the time. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Like I use whatever it came with, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so now I'm going to try to figure out you know what that answer is so i I think it'll be fun i because i enjoy mechanical pencils like i wouldn't do this if i hated mechanical pencils like i want to figure this out so this will be good all right do you want to move on to shimmer inks then because you're 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 basically (laughs) just changing up everything that goes in everything i'm yeah like it's fun to mix it up like i have you know access to so much stuff and i've always been hesitant about shimmer inks and i think rightfully so you know it's putting more than ink in your pen right (laughs) and when you're talking about a fountain pen you're you're, you're shoving some detritus in there (laughs) when you talk about a fountain pen that's generally not a good idea no so when this started to become a thing um you know, they were probably, I'm sure there were inks before J. Herbon's, you know, annual shimmer ink that they started, you know, what, five years ago or, or so. I'm sure there were shimmer inks before, but they kind of put it at the forefront. Hey, let's make this one limited edition every year. And every time they come out, me and you go, wow, that's beautiful. I will never use it. Right? I mean, is that an accurate statement? Exactly. And... I'm trying to figure out why I was on that side of the fence. And it was just a little bit of uncomfortableness with putting that type of ink in my pen and putting it in any pen, really. You know, I wouldn't even put it in, you know, a lot of people will use shimmer inks in their inexpensive pens because they're worried, well, will they clog up the mechanics of my more expensive pens and will I be, you know, at more risk of damage? I think it's probably all overblown. I certainly don't know for a fact. I'm not a scientist. I don't sit here and <laughs> and, and play with all these compositions of inks and pens. I do what's fun and what looks interesting. But I've always been tempted by the Jay Herbon inks, right? Like Emerald of Shavor, I think to this day, is the pinnacle of what Jay Herbon's done with shimmer inks and those type of things because they made it an ink that looked so far out there from what else was available. And I still didn't really want to use it, even though I thought it was just the coolest thing ever. Part of it was because it was gold particles and I don't mm-hmm. really necessarily like a lot of gold. So then they did Amethyst de Laurel, which was the purple with silver shimmer. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be the one that's going to sway me. Like I'm going to be in on this. I have this weird thing, not just with the shimmer and sparkles, but with perceived ink saturation levels. <laughs> Let me explain what what I mean there. 
again, this is so unscientific and possibly so wrong, but let me say what I see and what I what it makes me think. When I see a deep, rich ink, I just think it's so not heavy as in thickness of the liquid, but just in rich of the ink properties. Like it's a very strong ink. Like you look at the organic studio sheening inks, they just seem very powerful. And do I want that much, you know, that much ink strength in my pens? Is it going to damage it? You know, that's why I look at something like Acromaw inks because I feel not that they're watery, but the consistency and output is not overly saturated. So it's almost that oversaturation that freaks me out more than the actual shimmer. But when you combine those two in something like Amethyst or Laurel, well, then I'm like, there's no way I'm putting this in my pen, right? But people do, and people love about love them, and people continue to use them, and I never hear about problems with them. So I've been on that ledge. You know, I always get the J Herbon special ink of the year, and I'll usually send it out to someone else to review because I'm too chicken. The Diamine Shimmer Tastics kind of changed it for me for two reasons. One, well, actually probably more than two reasons. One, the colors look amazing. Number two, the colors look amazing because they're not overly saturated. And number three, they use a bunch of silver shimmer as opposed to gold. Yeah. And I I prefer the look of silver in the inks. So I've been watching people review these, you know, like Kelly and Mountain of Ink and Anna and Mike Ink Dependence and whoever's, you know, and reviews a lot of inks. These have been interesting for me to look at and go, that looks like something I would like. And like, I trust Diamine wholeheartedly, right? With ink in my pens, right? I think they're one of the premier ink manufacturers. Uh, speaking of Ackermom. Um, the way these reviews looked actually sold me on trying this more. So I bought my first one. It was called Starlit Sea. I didn't, like I, I mentioned, I kind of chickened out on the color because it's a blue black, but it's got silver sparkles in it. So I thought, well, let me try with something that I know I like. And I'm not going to, I may be chickened out on the color instead of going with the orange or green, but I think I'll get there. But I wasn't going to chicken out with the pen. I wasn't just going to throw it in the Twisby Eco and think of it as, hey, this is just a throwaway ink loadout that I'm going to use. I went ahead and put it in my Aurora Flexnib, you know, the Optimas that we got from... Mm -hmm. Uh, Fountain Pen Hospital, which is a yep. fantastic pen, because you want to show off the characteristics, right? I mean, there's a reason you ink these pens up. It's not to use them in my favorite extra fine nib, right? It would look cool and work fine, I'm sure, but you really want to see what is under the hood with these inks. So a bigger, wetter nib is the way to go. This ink is fantastic, Mike. Oh, yeah? I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I really enjoy this ink. It's got so much character in the color of the ink, which is what I like about blue-black inks like Shinkai, for example. I like it so much because there's shades of color in there. Well, just the, before you even get to the shimmer, this ink has shades of color 
in there and then you throw in the silver sparkles it gives it that little right. extra kick the flow has been beautiful the spread of the sparkles throughout the ink has been consistent you know that's another thing that I always worried about sparkle inks is, you know, well, is it just going to glob out when, you know, when it wants it, you know, like the ends of lines or ends of characters, things like that. This is consistent throughout. I really, really like what this ink does and it makes me want to try more. So I, I kind of dig it. I, I'm pretty happy with this ink so far, Mike. I have a question for you. Well, let's see sure. if you can try and solve this for me. This is not about mm-hmm. ink. Okay. So I'm on the Mountain of Ink website right now. And I'm looking <laughs> at the. <laughs> Do you think it's you know so what I'm going to ask? We need to get. No, I, I have no clue. I okay. just know we need to get Kelly on for an interview. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. Um, and I'm looking at the, the, like, the little cards, the scans of the, I think, the coloring cards. Mm-hmm. And especially the ones towards the bottom, the names of the ink are written out in this font, right? This like style, this like not font, but like it's written out in a specific handwriting style. Mm -hmm. Where Mm -hmm. did that come from? (laughs) Practice. No, but I I don't know this. You know what I'm saying, right? Like when you look at that, you're like, Oh, I've seen that everywhere. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's all over Etsy. It's all over bullet journal stuff. Like it's just so interesting to me that like there is a style of handwriting which is almost used like a font that somehow people teach themselves and I can't get my head around it like how you can teach yourself to do that but also Mm -hmm. I'm just intrigued if anybody knows where did this come from yeah I don't know the name of it but it's a separated connected script Mm -hmm. right it's not a single consistent line right you write one or multiple letters, but then you stop and you rehook in the next letters, but I don't know the actual name of it. Um, you know, it's just like a, a calligraphic style like Anna uh uses that, you know, at yeah. well appointed desk. This is what is I mean. I feel similar. like I see it everywhere to mm. a point where it seems baffling to me that people are just doing it with their hands and like it's all different <laughs> people. Right? That because it's like it looks so similar yeah I'm, I'm just intrigued as to where it's come from well, like if yep. anybody knows where who where it originated i would i would love to know yeah that's a good good shout out to uh to put out there and yeah it's de- there's definitely some type of not that all of this is the same but there is a a singular idea source to where this comes together because yep. it's not a traditional style and it's not a pure script style because it's stopped and reconnected a bunch of times, but it makes it look amazing. No, like it it's is my closer, style. I think, to to lettering than it is to calligraphy. Yes, it's definitely more of a lettering style. Yeah. I agree with that. Yep, very cool. So we'll we'll find out. I bet we'll have an answer. I hope next so. Week. So we will we'll go ahead and add that into the follow up section. So yeah, Mike sparklings i mean do you look at those samples those aren't even like the current year samples do you look at those and go i could see me using one or two of those oh there's like 12 of them i would use they're stunning they're, they're stunning. really so really great. i'm not going to go off the deep end because i don't have you know 12 pens in use at one time that i need a bunch of shimmer inks in but i can see me getting two or three or four more bottles of this throughout the year and playing around with some different colors, like the bright greens look pretty cool, and there's some orange with silver. So, I'm there. So, are you over the fear? 
a hundred percent. Yeah. Like until well, I'll need to try a couple other brands, right? Uh, I want to try the Robert Oster stuff. You know, I need to try. They have um, some shimmer inks that I haven't tried. You know, I want to try some of these, like the Diamine and Robert Oster, who whose base inks I know are my style of inks that I think I would like the shimmer. So I'm completely like I I pr- pretty much ink them up in anything right now. I think maybe you could just get. <laughs> your own shimmer and just add it to <laughs> no any of the robot oster inks that you like no. i'll mix inks like i'm not above mixing similar brand inks with each other to make some weird color i'm not adding any physical materials into my liquids do we no, know I'm what good. it is no <laughs> it's unicorn dust yeah it's like what actually is it again another <laughs> question if anybody knows the answer to that what are ink makers putting in their inks to to to, <laughs> to do this? Like, what what is this material? And also, yeah, be it's yeah. probably some kind of makeup. Yeah, probably everything's all pen stuff is made out of makeup. Eventually, that's what I learned. Yeah. Yep. All right, today's episode is also brought to you by our friends over at FreshBooks. If you send invoices, if you track expenses, and you're not currently using FreshBooks. You need to save yourself time. You need to save yourself hassle. Do me a favor and go sign up for FreshBooks right now. They simplify tasks like invoicing, expense tracking, and getting paid online. FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time that it takes for their over 10 million customers to deal with their paperwork. FreshBooks will automate late payment email reminders for you. So once you've sent out an invoice, not only can you track it so you can see when it's been opened, you can see when it's been printed, you can also have FreshBooks automatically send out emails for you you when they when the the invoice passes its pay date so you'll spend less time chasing payments and more time working on whatever it is that you want to work on they have a projects feature which you will allow you to share files and messages with your clients contractors or employees all within FreshBooks. so all of your conversations can live in one place and then when the invoices are going out they can all be there too and it's like it's like a real easy way of bringing all of your stuff together and keeping everything within one central location if you're listening to this and you're not yet using FreshBooks, now is the time to try it because they are offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. There's no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash penaddict. And when they say, hey, how did you hear about FreshBooks? You say, the penaddict. Our thanks to FreshBooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. That is freshbooks.com slash penaddict for that 30-day free trial. And there's no better time to start it than January of a new year. Oh yeah, man, perfect. You get it, get it all in there for your entire year. Uh, yep. Keep track of all all of your expenses and incomes. Yeah, that's perfect. All right, Mike. I'm not done talking about things I'm writing about on the blog. I was waiting and for us to talk about this one. I'm experimenting with. So I put up a blog post yesterday afternoon called Tuesday Toolset. And it's an idea I've been exploring in the Panatic Members newsletter. And actually, this post that I put out is kind of the style I write out in the Members newsletter, where a lot of it's just me having thoughts and spewing those thoughts on the page. Sometimes it evolves as I'm writing, which it did in this case, in this post, and you know, just see what comes out of it. And this was prompted by a years-long call for me to put more personal usage stuff on penatic.com. 
and I, I mean, I totally agree with that. You know, what am I using today? You know, what have I used in the last week or last month or what am I using right now? You know, all those types of things, you know, more inside look, active, stationary loadouts, um, recent use cases that you found, things like that. Mm -hmm. So this was how that idea started. So I wanted to kick that off this year. Um, I kind of had uh, an opening in the Panatic blog schedule Tuesday afternoon. I actually found it pretty tough to get all of this done um, with my adding this into my normal schedule, but I, I, I got it done. And I love this concept, and I want to do it right by the readers. So I threw out my ideas, said, you know, what I'm trying to do here is show you what my carry this week is going to be as far as stationary goods goes. So like Sunday, I picked out a small grouping. I want to keep this small. I don't need the entire desk or an entire backpack worth of stuff, especially if I'm going to post this every week. You know, what's, what can I hold my hand? That's kind of like my carry kit. So I picked out a pencil, you know, the I'm using the Rotring 600 because I'm using it for testing right now. I picked out the Sailor Imperial Black because I've missed using that pen. And that's another thing that I'm trying to do is go through some of the pens I haven't used. And I enjoy that pen so much. And I also like the Sailor Nano uh, Blue, the Seiboku pigmented blue black ink cartridges with that pen. So I wanted to put that in there. And then I'm using that Jetstream Refill. And I put that in my James brand pen, which we can talk about specifically um, later if you want a mini review of the James brand Benton pen, which I bought. And I threw them all in my Knock Tulula case, and I'm using a Knock notebook. So that's kind of my kit for the week. Now, that's not the only stuff I'll use this week. I have, you know, my Shimmer pen in here with me today, too, because I write other things. You know, this is not an exclusive. I'm only using this this week. I've got other products I'm reviewing on my desk that I use. You know, I've got pens and, you know, paper and pencils, you know, in different spots in the house that I use. Like I'm not restricting myself to this, but it's my primary use and my primary carry. So that was the idea behind this blog. And then I started writing that and I've always been concerned about the weekly aspect of it. Like that's a lot of me and you don't ever want this post to be forced. I don't want to be forced into picking something that I'm not going to really use. So I threw that out there. And as I'm typing, I was like, well, why don't I just ask other people to submit to Tuesday tool set? Like what are other people using? It's like, so I, I took the feedback as more of me, but as I would literally, as I was writing that post, I was like, well, maybe it's more of we. Like, what are, what are we all using um, these days that is interesting to us? What is a small kit you could put together this week that you find compelling that you're going to take to the office or take to the park or, you know, do something, with take on vacation? You know, like Sarah's done some posts uh, for the blog in the past where she's gone to writer's conferences and she's talked about her loadout. Those are always so popular. So I've always thought there was a place for something like this. And maybe it's not a me thing every week, even though I will certainly do it a bunch, but maybe I put a call out and it's a we thing. You know, we do, then we, we'd, I'd have a little more restrictions, you know, limited it to three or five items, something like that. So my recommendation is, to you would be that you do one guest a month mm -hmm. because it's a great idea to have guests 
but people the the reason that you have been asked for this is because people want to know what you are using. Yes, right. Yeah. So don't like I said that, that that wasn't even a consideration for guests until I started typing this. Like yeah. I, that was literally like a train of thought. I think <laughs> it'd be I fun. Like maybe the last one every month is a guest. Would be, okay. would be a nice change of pace, I think. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on the format? Did you get a chance to read some of yes. my concerns I have with mm-hmm. it? What tell, tell me what you're thinking about what I laid out yesterday. I like it very much. I think that you've done a great job, right? Like this is exactly what I wanted it to be. Uh, super short, like digestible. These are the things that I'm using. And a quick, like this is why. Um, so some of your concerns... I think that it is worthwhile um, unless it ends up being that you go two months without changing anything. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like that's, you know, yeah. like if you're going like a long time without changing anything, then mm-hmm. then it's not so useful. Like this is only useful if you are changing stuff up, but you should have a, a like an idea about whether you think that you would be changing stuff up enough anyway. And right. like maybe, you know, a way to combat that would be like you're always testing stuff. But right. then there's the stuff that sticks around of you. So maybe you actually write this post on a Thursday, but post it on a Tuesday because on a Thursday you were testing out a couple of new products. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so that you're, you're kind of keeping it in, in your mind to shake it up as in like this isn't even like, oh, these aren't necessarily the best things that I'm using right now because I don't even know if that's necessarily what people want. But it's Absolutely. like for you to be able to talk about stuff that you wouldn't even be reviewing because you don't really review as much anymore, um, mm-hmm. right? So because you hand stuff out to other people, but people still want to know what you think. So even if it was just like, oh, I tried out this new Kickstarter pen that I was sent, but I don't like it, and here's exactly. why. Like I think that that is as useful to something like this as um, as the stuff that you like because you don't typically write reviews if you think something's like kind of not that great. Like you write reviews mm-hmm. if something's amazing or if something is like really bad and people need to know, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like this, that kind of like barometer is also useful of like understanding the things that you kind of are a bit meh over. So I think there could be value in that too. Um I know that you were talking about worrying about over-promoting knock. I don't think you should care about it. I don't think it matters. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you could, you could if you're using the Tallulah all the time, then just after, like, a week, just reference the name and then just move on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I do like the idea, and I think it would be really useful for you to be labeling the image. Yeah. I thought about that as I was typing it up. Like it didn't hit me before because I'm not used to doing that. But like those style of posts tend to lend themselves to that layout. Yeah, I, mean, I have a criticism of the uh, the main. Oh, you fix it. Sorry, I was saying the main image at the top. I was like confused. Like I couldn't see what the James Brand pen looked like because it was in a little pouch. Mm-hmm. But I didn't notice the image mm-hmm. at the bottom. Yeah, and it's there too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think labeling it as being like this is this, this is this would be helpful, especially if you're like using two fountain pens, right? You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. Especially for non fountain pen users, I mean, yeah. Like we're doing mechanical pencil leads because readers, you know, want to know about that. They're probably not fountain pen users. Like we cover it all on, on the pen addict. So yeah, it's good to label things regardless because you don't want to expect that everyone knows mm-hmm. all this stuff. Yeah, I think overall this is really good. Okay. Do you do you have a software program 
like we could take this part offline but like i just really want something like super simple overlays like i i gotta figure something out for Mm. you know just doing that because i'm not like a photoshop graphics editor guy right i want something simple so y'all can hit me with that you know if you have any ideas of software uh, preferably mac or even ios you know that i can just do simple tag call outs you know yeah one arrow Okay. Yeah, I can't think of something off the top of my head, but there yeah. would definitely be a good iOS app for this. Yeah, there's got to be something. This is a really simple request, right? I'm mm-hmm. just not in that realm to know what would do that. It's like that's not my forte at all. So, but uh, I'm sure even I can handle uh, putting circles and lines with numbers on on an image. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, because I think there's an app on iOS. That um called Annotable. Annotable. Okay. It's an annotation mm-hmm. and markup application. I know what this you're might about. do it. That would that's okay. what jumps to my mind initially. You might also find some fun in this app anyway, because it does stuff like um call outs and zooms. So like okay. you could draw a circle around something and zoom in on it and mm-hmm. like so they, there could be some fun stuff you could do with it anyway. Uh yeah. but it's an iOS app, so it's iPhone and iPad. Yeah. So I do like your comment about, you know, this is where a lot of the stuff I'm testing out goes, right? That may never see the light of day and on review, it may just be worth a comment or two for something very specific. Um, You know, it's basically (laughs) what's on Brad's desk this week kind of post in a more structured fashion, right? You know, what is Brad messing around with this week or why does he have these things in use? Because it's constantly changing. Like, I would never run out of, you know, things for this. It's just doing it right. You know, I just want to make sure I kind of set it up right. I want it. I don't want it to be a fluff article. I want it to be useful in some manner. Right. I don't want to do it just to do it. I want to do it because people enjoy it or Mm -hmm. get something out of it. So, yeah, that's what I'm thinking with it. Um. I don't know if you if I don't know if you have anything more to say with that. Let's if you do, great. If not, let me do a quick breakdown of the James brand Benton yeah, uh, before we before yep. we wrap up the Ask TPA. So, for those of you familiar or not familiar with James brand, they came out with a what I call the the hipster knife um, several years ago. You know, they broke into the knife market. I remember our friend uh, Tony from Everyday Commentary you know, had some real issues with their original design, layout, price point, quality, you know, everything like the hardcore knife guy um, would be concerned about their first product, you know, entering the market as, you know, they position the brand. But then as I've read Tony over the years and him following the brand as close as he does, he's actually kind of, they've, he feels that they've like turned this corner and they're making a real quality product. And yes, it's definitely the hipster, the hipster knife. Brand. Yeah. I straight up love the look of these knives. Oh, they're awesome. They're, yeah. they're killer looking. Like I'm not going to own one. Cause I'm not going to, if I'm going to spend that much, I'm going to buy something different, honestly, but I have bought one of their small, like little teeny pocket knives. Those are cool. Um, but yeah, it's, they've done really, really well as a brand and they launched a pin, in November, I think, last year, called the Benton, which is just a basic aluminum barrel, um, retractable click pin. Um, You know, it's got a little bit of dot knurling on the grip section. It's very straight, simple barrel, conical tip, you know, fits your 
your Parker refills. Obviously, I have my Jetstream in it. And I like the low-profile clip. I ordered the expensive one because it was Stormtrooper color. It was white and black, and I thought it was better than both of those. And it came with field notes. So the regular yeah, pen... that's not available anymore. I think the one that you bought, I think it's sold the, out now. It is actually still available. Oh, when yeah? I was writing this up, I checked, yeah. What's not available are the standard ones. <laughs> the $60 ones are sold out. The $85 one, which I have, that comes with notebooks is available. At least yesterday it was when I was writing this up. It's not anymore. Okay. So your post um, goes to a 404 now. That's interesting. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it was... Huh. Interesting. So Maybe you bought the last out. one. Well, I bought mine <laughs> in November. I know. So. <laughs> um, it absolutely said available yesterday. That's interesting. So I'll go, I'll go update the post. Um, anyway, this falls firmly in the good, not great category. Okay. Like, as I mentioned, like, I wouldn't, cons- like, 85 is too much for this pen, I think. You know, even though I got benefits with this one, you know, if you will. Limited colors, extra notebooks, yada, yada. 60 seems about right. Like, 60 seems, like, good. I like the extra little cord on the knock. I like that style. That's not going to be for everybody. I think it's cool. Um, You know, it's a good pen not a great pen i don't even know that would be worth me reviewing because it's pretty standard for what you'd get out of let's make our first machined pen you know idea right this is what you get and then maybe you expand on this so i think it's a good first effort i like it i don't love it for the price but um solid but not spectacular so there you go what is the what is James's like knife? What is that knife? Like what is the, the one mate, knife? The one, uh let me find it for you. Is it the Folsom? It's, it's the it's the two hundred and twenty five dollar ish one. Two hundred and twenty five dollar one. Uh-huh. Blimey. Let me find it for you. I just can't remember the name. The chapter. The chapter. Okay. Yeah, what that's, makes that's this the knife original. so good? You you're asking the wrong person. Okay. I know Tony has done a bunch on these because of what they represented at first and then what they've become. Because they make one called the Folsom, which Mm -hmm. looks cool to me. More kind of what I want out of a knife. Right. So that's a newer model. So that would be the one I would consider. Yeah. So the chapter is the one that started the company. Right. Okay. Yeah. That one's not so much for me, I think. And how much is the? Let me roll down. It's well, it's ninety nine pounds for me, the Folsom, and it seems like I can buy it, which I don't fully understand how that's possible. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't, I don't understand com- the way that knife laws work in the UK, frankly. Yeah, like I know we have some rules, but I don't know what they are. Uh, right. So I will right. try and buy this because this really does look up my street. This design and what I'm looking for, which is basically a knife to open boxes and stuff. Right. right? Uh, Right. Because I still have the one that Jeff gave me here. Mm -hmm. The, uh, what is it? Cricket? Yep. And I like this one a lot, but this one was also also pretty nice. So Yes, so the chapter is 275. At least the one I clicked on. It's the all black one. Yeah, that's not... Uh, That one just doesn't really look like what I'm looking for. Like, just visually, I'm not really a big fan of it. It's too like fancy sure 
it's the hipster knife. I mean, that but is. But even then, though, like, because I say all of their knives look hipstery, but that one looks too clean cut mm-hmm. in a way that I'm not, I, I don't know about. Because, like, they have the one yeah. that with the handle's made of wood, and that right. has a more, has a different look, and it's less, uh, is less kind of like fancy. Right, right. So I think they've made a lot of changes in the from their initial launch till now and they've kind of gotten uh they've they've grown really really nicely and I think are doing a pretty good job. I just don't have a lot of experience with their with their knives. Well, I have one on the way. All right. Very good. So let's uh let's hit this last sponsor, honestly, Mike, because I'm interested. I want to know what is going on here. Uh, okay, so our final sponsor today is a new sponsor, ExpressVPN. So Look, security breaches, hacks, mm-hmm. they're happening all the time now. And along with many other companies in the modern day and age who'd love to share your data like it's an economy, uh, it is only more worrying to kind of think about where your data is going. So chances are these days you're being tracked around the web, uh, making it you know easier for marketing companies, maybe even your internet provider to get at your information. And they can record it and they can sell it to people that want it. So a VPN can help you take back your privacy. And ExpressVPN is the way to do that. ExpressVPN works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing. It encrypts your data and hides your public IP address. It's super simple to enable and turn on. You can turn on ExpressVPN protection with just one click. They have easy-to-use apps on your computer, your phone, and your tablet, and it costs less than just $7 a month. Uh, TechRadar rated ExpressVPN uh, the number one VPN service, and everywhere that I looked, um, they rated extremely highly. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and if you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep the bad guys away from your data, you need ExpressVPN. Um, I was astounded at how easy it was to set up on my iPhone. Like I used a VPN many years ago and then kind of stopped using it because the company got bought out and I wasn't sure about it anymore. Um, but I checked out ExpressVPN. I bought their, I got their app. I signed up with the plan. And it is so easy on an iPhone now to enable this stuff and to turn it on and off again. Um, and that makes it just like a, a no-brainer for me now. Because when there were like a million hoops you had to jump through every time you wanted to use it or set one up, it just became a pain. But now it's super easy to do. And considering how much I travel, being able to very quickly just turn on a VPN when I'm on a network that I'm not sure of is just gives me a little bit of peace of mind. So I'm a, I'm a big fan. If you don't want your online history in the hands of your internet provider or data resellers, ExpressVPN is the answer. You can protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months for free with a one-year package at expressvpn.com slash penaddict. That is expressvpn.com slash penaddict for three months extra free with a one-year package. Just go to expressvpn.com slash penaddict to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, I'm in. So I, I mean, I would get it after the show. I, I use a product right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it might even be the same one you mentioned that got bought out. I have a feeling it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and use the the current model of that. Um, I did it for travel purposes, right? When my and not like long term travel, but like when my laptop leaves the house. Yes. Yeah, I want to ensure I'm safe hitting a wireless network. 
So yeah, this is one of the things that's mandatory for me. So I will be checking out ExpressVPN really uh, within the week and uh, probably cut it over to, to this service. So I'll check it out. Looks great. All right. OSTPA time. First question comes from Supernat. Hey, Brad, when did a new Midori Traveler's Notebook colors get released for the year? So this was real-time tweet follow-up from Supernat. I found it. It's February. <laughs> so I didn't even have a chance to look it up because I thought it was uh, late spring is mm-hmm. when I thought I usually saw them, like May, July, June-ish, um, you know, late spring, early summer. But uh, she looked it up. She came back. She says, it looks like it's February. If anyone has any other information besides that, I'd like to know. But they usually do one or two leather cover colors per mm-hmm. year. And they're usually really, really nice. So they, they do a, such a great job with that product and keeping it new and fresh and um, keeping you buying more covers for your Traveler's Notebooks. All right. Our next question comes from Tim D. Fowler. Tim wants to know, do you have recommendations for a travel or EDC sharpener for the Caran Dash Swiss wood pencils? It's maddeningly slightly too big for the Coombe brake stop and it's driving Tim bonkers. Tim's going to kill me because I didn't test it before I came in here, but I have the, uh, the Coombe long point sharpener and, um, I want to try it in there because that'd be my recommendation if it fits, but I do have a couple of other sharpeners and that's one of my favorite pencils, although I never take it out. So I don't haven't, haven't tried the portable sharpener. So I will follow up with Tim, uh, this week and see what we can find out because I would like to know that myself. Now that he said that I didn't consider that. MV Arms asks, uh, this year I'd like to get a Sailor Rialo probably at the Atlanta Pen Show, giving them time to save up, and hopefully we will see them there. Um, I've had my eye on it for a couple of years. I love the Pro Gear shape with the ink window. Is there any model or style that you would recommend? Your choice is limited. This and is this the problem is the dis- with the Rialo. This, this is the discussion we've had. Yep. It's an flat-out awesome pen. I'm using mine today, actually. Yeah, there's... No style choice or no options. Like there's basic colors, black and burgundy, I think, are are the stock lineups. I'm going to end up with a Rialo this year. Like I talked just last week about how I don't have any pins on my shopping list. I'm going to have to get a Rialo at some point just because I need to. So, I, I mean, you just don't have a lot of options. You'll have plenty of nib options. You know, I think they have pretty much the full Sailor Standard Gold nib lineup for the Rialo, but you're, if you're shopping like at a U.S. pen show, your choices are going to be limited to probably black and burgundy. I think there might be a white one. I, I haven't looked it up. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a great pen. You should absolutely buy it. But if you're looking for something that resembles something in the standard Pro Gear lineup and have your choice of some of these great colors that they've released over the past few years, you're going to be a little bit disappointed. So... Depends on what you're looking for. Yeah. um, I have the black with the gold furniture, and I don't really have a lot of pens like this, but I'm happy with it. Yep. Right? Like, it it works It's a wonderful pen. All right. The next question comes from uh, at Nicholas. Nicholas wants to know, this is something that's been bothering them for for a quillion years. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) What's the difference between a broad nib and a bold nib? When the nib is marked B, which is it? It's broad, and we just call it bold out of habit sometimes because bold is the measurement in 
standard pens for you know gel pens, ballpoint pens. Those are bold tips. In a fountain pen, they're broad, but we just interchange the two sometimes accidentally. So I generally, I don't think any fountain pen nibs, someone correct me if I'm wrong, are called bold. I think fountain pen nibs are almost universally broad. So yeah, I think think bold is maybe in like other types of pens. Like that's what I'm saying. Like gel ink pens. Yeah, one point you get one point bold. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So broad is the fountain pen term, and we sometimes just mix that up. You know, when you're talking and not thinking, you see B, and you know it's wide, and your head just kind of goes to bold sometimes. So we certainly slipped on those words, but universally, fountain pens are going to be broad, and then gel pens are going to be bold. All right. So next up, uh, I think actually finally today, this question comes from Joel. This is a long one, so buckle up. I recently bought a sample of Robo Oster Cafe Crema and started using it in a Twisby Eco with a medium nib in a Tomoe River notebook. The first day I wrote with it, it produced a lovely deep brown with some excellent shading. However, the ink color seems to be shifting over time to something lighter, to the point where now, almost a week later, the ink comes out almost a yellow-brown in a shade that sadly reminds me of uh, bird poop. Have you ever heard of inks changing their properties over time? If so, what is the underlying cause? Is it a question of flow, exposure to light, air, phase of the moon, maybe tides? <laughs> no. tides tide pods. Um, number one, if you reference bird poop in your ass TPA, it's um, almost a guarantee that it's going to get red because I'm a 12-year-old. Yes. Um, <laughs> number two... This could be a couple of things. It may be when you inked it, you started writing, and the feed is oversaturated until it begins to flow properly. So you could have actually started with the incorrect color because of the amount of ink being put on the page, and then it transitioned into the correct color. Um, Two, it could be that your nib might need adjusting like it could be very tightly the tines could be very tight so it's writing dry i don't think in a short time frame of weeks or months you're going to get any physical ink changes unless you know it's environmental you know high heat sunlight things like that which this sounds more like a short time frame thing so yeah i mean over a long time frame i could see an issue but I mean, very long time frame, you know, I'd say six months or greater. If you're in a short time frame, I think it's either probably it was oversaturated for the beginning of your writing and, you know, maybe the first day or two even um, until it adjusts or two, you could just have a really dry nib and the output isn't what you anticipate because not enough ink is getting on the page. So. You know, outside of that longer time frame, yeah, you know, light and temperature and those types of things can affect it. But I think this is more of a short time frame question, and it's probably just those those couple things I mentioned. If you would like to send in a question uh, for Brad to answer, and maybe for me to answer, it's more likely that Brad will answer on the show. Just put bird poop in it. Don't do that. Just uh, send in a tweet with the hashtag AskTPA. Um, you can also hit Brad up uh, email at hello at 
Panaddict.com. Mm-hmm. Yay, you. Um, or in Slack. Uh, you can find Brad's work online. Uh, he is at panaddict.com, knock.co. He's on Twitch at twitch.tv slash panaddict. He's panaddict on Instagram. Dowdyism on Twitter. D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M. I am imike, I-M-Y-K-E on Instagram. Um, you should follow me there. Uh, you can find information about this episode in your podcast app of choice. There should be a long, bunch of lovely links and notes and stuff in there. But if it isn't, go to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 341 to get that info in front of your eyeballs. Uh, FreshBooks, ExpressVPN, and RX Bar kindly sponsored this episode, and we'd like to thank them once again. Um, if you would like to join us again next time, we'll be back next week. I didn't know what I was going to say at the end of that <laughs> sentence when I started it. Um, you, so you came through. Success. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, if you'd like to hear the next episode, tune into the next one. Uh, <laughs> but we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. <laughs> <laughs>